Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 in Capitol. We're in the Town Bank Building, and you can also visit us in the village of Whitefish Bay, where there we are in the Equitable Bank Building, right across from Winkies. And if you happen to be in Florida, do stop in and say hi in Bonita Springs, another place where we can service our clients. My guest today is Mary Brown. And Mary has been, I have to look here, Mary, you have been a guest since 2006. It's a long time. That is really good. And Mary is the president of Campbell Newman. And so why I bring that up, that it's been since 2006, is because we've really gone through so many more markets, and we've been able to um, maybe talk from a little bit of experience, <laughs> because people are always wondering what's happening with the market. And one of the questions we get all the time now is, it too late to get in the market? Should we not get in the market? And uh, Mary has been managing our dividend portfolio, our dividend stock portfolio now for about... 10? I would say so. 10 or 11 years. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, not only is the performance been stellar and our clients are thrilled as we are, but what's really nice is that I'm sitting in my studio here looking at Mary Brown. And Mary has become a very good friend of mine. And we knew each other well before we started doing the portfolio. And Mm -hmm. I still remember we were out to lunch having a conversation. And I was telling her how... Um, I really wanted to bring a higher quality of stock portfolio to our clients. And I didn't want it to have to be based on having a million dollars or half a million dollars, but wasn't there a way that we could provide those same types of services to clients with lesser assets? And we just sort of shook our hand on it and we walked out and Mary started building this portfolio and it's been um, wonderful. It's really been wonderful and our clients have enjoyed owning it. And so I'd like to share with my listeners today why everybody is so crazy about the Campbell Newman dividend paying stock portfolio. And with that, we're going to be right back. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Mary Brown. She's the president of Campbell Newman, and Campbell Newman is located right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I think that that in itself is such a plus for us because so often when we work with managers, they're all over the country, and you never see their eyes, you never see their face. And Um, very often you can't even hear the voice. So uh, this has been wonderful because not only is Mary here today, but we do uh, several client events and different things with our clients. So not only do I get to know Mary Brown, but all of our clients who have Mary managing their portfolio also know Mary Brown. So that's really, I believe, uh, a true advantage. And you know, Mary, so often... um, when we're talking to clients, and I would have to say that almost exclusively, just about every one of our clients owns a portion of your portfolio, and they really, they really do like it. Of course, they love it because it's really been good performance, but more importantly, they like it because they can sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And when you and I sat down in the very beginning to sort of determine what would something like this look like for our clients, um, it was really safety and um, preservation first and growth. And, you know, we talked about it. You said, well, that's a dividend 
portfolio. And um, at that time, you know, the market hadn't corrected. We went through a horrible correction. Actually, we went through a correction, and then um, <coughs> things leveled out. And there were a lot of stocks that paid dividends that went down that sort of really surprised a lot of people. And you came up with a strategy that was absolutely perfect for EIG and for EIG's clients. And so it's your strategy. I'd like you to share it with my listeners because ideally having you manage it is really a blessing because that's what you do and you do it every single day. But for those people out there who like to do it themselves or don't know even how to begin or how to strategize on that, I think the information will be helpful. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Um, I think that you're right. The This strategy was designed to protect on the downside while participating on the upside. And and our investment philosophy is that a company's dividend policy is tangible evidence of management's confidence in future earnings growth. We think that companies that pay meaningful dividend and then increase it year after year are showing you with a non-retrievable cash payment out to shareholders that they're going to manage that business so that they grow their earnings, increase their profitability, so that they can increase that dividend year after year. And um, what our research found was once a company initiates a dividend, very few companies increase it the first year, the second year, the third year. But once you get to five years of annualized dividend increases, it becomes institutionalized at the board level so that when um, management and the board are making decisions regarding how to allocate shareholder capital. Should they make an acquisition? Should they reinvest in research and development? Should they add to their um, employee base? How are they going to grow? We think that um, having that discipline of having to increase the dividend really adds a level of security for um, shareholders because they're going to um, uh, allocate to to projects that have a greater probability of success in our mind um, so that year after year they can increase that dividend. So a lot of people will frequently go for companies that are higher yielding, and that's typically where you have more trouble where you don't the stock's correct because people don't believe that those dividends are secure. Um, And we also, if a company does cut their dividend, we automatically have to sell it because that's telling us something very differently is going on in the operations of this company if year after year they've increased it in the past. And and with Mary, when you look at that company that you pull out of the portfolio, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad company. It just doesn't meet the criteria of what we want in this portfolio because we want consistency, we want dependability, and we want to be able to, to the best of our ability, ascertain what's going to happen when the market goes down with that stock. And so a lot of times that stock that you pull out could be a good company, but it's now more of a growth stock than it is a dividend or, or it has a fall, different fallen <clears throat> or fallen. Yeah. And so we want to take it out because a lot of times people do go for high paying dividends, companies with pay high dividends, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the stock is on solid ground. Right. You, I mean, there are a lot of other things that you have to look at. How much in earnings are they paying out in dividends? How are they supporting that dividend? 
Um, a lot of times things can be high dividend paying, as I said earlier, because people don't believe that the dividend is uh, sustainable. And so before they cut the dividend, the price of the stock goes down, the dividend goes up, and people think, oh, great, it's a high yielder. Mm-hmm. But but that dividend could be in jeopardy. Do you know, Mary, when we initially sat down and, and looked at developing a portfolio of um, high-quality dividend-paying stocks, it really was to be blended in with how I wanted to invest money. And so I'm just going to kind of go over a little bit how you fit into our model. So one of the things that we do, and we look at someone who is potentially spending from their portfolio, we try to figure out with them what their cash flow needs are. And that's over and above any social security. But let's say they're taking out um, $100,000 a year out of their investment portfolio or, or 50000 whatever it is. And the first place that we start is we create a ladder of high-quality investment-grade bonds that will go out seven years, five years to protect their income needs, and two years for unexpected expenses. And so the philosophy behind that is that you never end up with having too much money on hand. And I always say, if you have too much money in cash or too much money in in, in bonds, it's like having employees in the lunchroom smoking cigarettes and drinking <laughs> coffee. I mean, we, you know, and our whole concept when I came to you, Mary, was, you know, Mary, we've got to help people in our portfolios. We can't be too conservative. We've got to figure out a plan. And... Another way of creating income, which was the dividends, and we had to figure out how do we determine that balance? Well, we've never seen a market down five years. And certainly with having five years of income generating every year and two years, which is actually the seven years, we know that our clients do not have to change their lifestyle if the market changes because mm-hmm. we got that covered. But now what do you do with the rest of the money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we looked at getting growth – I also said, but boy, Mary, we can't really lose. We, I know we've got to get growth, but how do we get growth and yet still protect them on the downside? And that was when you started to really educate me on the value of the dividend paying and the total return, the concept of the total return. And so then the second largest part of our portfolios is the Campbell Newman dividend paying portfolio. And we put maybe of the growth portion of it, maybe 30% in there, because we know that's going to grow and we know what we can expect when the market goes down. They may come back a little slower, but they're going to come back because they're high quality. And so when you're picking those stocks and when you're looking at the ones that go in that portfolio, you're looking at a lot of different things in order to meet that criteria of high quality, paying reasonable dividends, and that understanding how we can articulate to our clients what to expect in a down market. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, <coughs> we do a lot of um, proprietary bottom-up research on each of the companies that um, we end up buying in the portfolio. And at the core of what we're trying to ascertain is whether or not the, the, these companies' business models can generate earnings that are going to meet or exceed what Wall Street consensus estimates are. If we're doing the work on a company and we don't think they can, then it goes back in the pile for another day. But if we think they can, then then it moves up our ladder. And um, uh, the next thing is, if we're when 
all of our companies have, all of the stocks have 18-month price targets established for them. And in order for um, a member of our investment team to bring it to the committee to vote on it, to um, put it in the portfolio, we have to be able to establish an 18-month price target that implies a 20% total return, which that's a pretty high bar. So you get the return from um, dividend and dividend increases um, uh, and also um, earnings growth and potentially price earnings ratio expansion. Um, so there, there's several levers that could occur that would help get you to that 20% total return hurdle rate. But it's a very disciplined, bottom-up process. We do look at what is going on in the end markets for these companies to make sure that the projections that management have are um, also um, attainable because what's going on in the end market, too. You know, Mary, it's difficult to imagine how somebody could do that type of research on their own, and it's getting more difficult and more difficult. But one of the areas that I find when a new client comes in and we're reviewing their portfolio, because the first thing we do is we review every stock and what the return has been, what the what the the um, capital gain, hopefully if there's a gain and not a loss, and we look at all that. And what I find is that so many clients, they get very familiar in one industry and they own so much of their portfolio mm-hmm. is is le- leaning towards one or two industries. And one of the real values of the portfolio is not only that you have a discipline, a buy and sell discipline, is that you really diversify mm-hmm. within all the different mm-hmm. sectors so that one might be down, but another one will be up. And you can't really know when something's going to start working. Right. Well, you know, I think that um, the team that we have at Campbell Newman is one of the really important differentiators. We've all been in the business over 30 years. So we've been through multiple market cycles, rising interest rates, lower interest rates, expansion, recession. And we all work as generalists where we do have broad exposure across the different economic sectors. And so um, uh, while we might have, each of us, Tom Remus and I, might have some more expertise in different areas, we are generalists. So, and, and, and you want to have diversification, exactly mm-hmm. what you said about how some things are doing well when others aren't. But at the same time, um, remember, Kim, we don't have to have exposure to all industries. Mm-hmm. For example, right now, there are no utilities in the portfolio um, or uh, telecommunication stocks. We think that those are, they're, um, by our discipline, most of those companies or those stocks are too expensive and um, they really don't offer the total return potential that we're looking for. Mary, you know, one of the things that is is kind of funny when I'm talking to a client, and particularly a new client, and um, they'll talk about the the portfolio, and we talk about the dividend-paying portfolio, and I'll say to them, well, I know that I've really done a good job educating you on how the EIG portfolio works and the piece where the Campbell Newman fits in. When you call me up when the market's down and you say, yippee, the market is down, and I'm buying more stocks at a lower price and I'm reinvesting those dividends. Because the more times a portfolio goes down, the more shares you accumulate because 
um, dividends are paid on the number of shares you have, not the value of the shares. And so the more times the market goes down, the more opportunity you have to grow that portfolio. And they'll kind of look at me and I'll say, because don't don't forget, we've got our bond portfolio that's got you covered for seven years. And even if the market does go down, mm-hmm. your lifestyle won't change. So we can afford to let that portion of the portfolio mm-hmm. down and to reinvest. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the wonderful pieces is we rarely take money from the Campbell Newman portfolio because it's got such a beautiful dividend yield. Well, and the, and the other thing is that um, the growing dividends. Um, over the past 10 years, the portfolio has had a compounded annual growth rate um, of dividends of almost 15%. Now you know why my clients are in love with yeah, the portfolio. Relative to the S&P 500, that's only around 7%, so yes. about double. And then even in um, 2009, when the S&P 500 dividend was cut by over 20%, um, the uh, average dividend increase in um, our portfolio was roughly 8%. And I think it's just almost just under a little bit, about a 2% yield across the board, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful when you look at where interest rates are. And you look at, you know, one of the things that's really important for us at EIG is to really understand the beta of the portfolio and to really understand for the risk you're taking, are you getting the return? Mm -hmm. Because we really want you to take less risk and get a higher return. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't even realize that that's an important piece of the portfolio and they never even look at it. Yeah. And, you know, we're in a bull market right now. Things are going well. I don't know when the last time was we had a negative absolute quarter. But when you look back over, um, we've run this portfolio almost 15 years. And during that time, there have been 14 absolute negative quarters. And the dividend growth portfolio is outperformed in 13 of the 14. And and why that's important is because, um, you know, downside volatility cuts more deeply than mm-hmm. upside do- volatility is positive. If you go down yes. 50%, you have to go up 100 just to get back to even. You go down 25%, you only go, have to go up 33% yes. to get back to even. So if you can protect the portfolio during the, the negative times, you have a greater um, denominator to compound mm-hmm. upon so that when things do return, you you know, you have a, more money to to work with. And the portfolio has strength. Mm-hmm. And which is what you're really looking looking at. I think we'll take another break. When we come back, let's talk about the small cap growth portfolio because that's another portfolio that you manage for us. That one's a little bit newer. And again, I came to you and we talked and I said, you know, healthcare costs are really rising. Taxes are rising. How can we get a little bit more gusto in our clients' portfolios without really taking on more risk? Because preservation of principle and making sure that our our clients don't have to go back to work again, uh, making sure that they feel safe is really utmost. But we really did recognize that it's important to maximize the return as much as we can. And so voila, the small cap portfolio. And with that, we'll be right back. 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Mary Brown, and she is the president of Campbell Newman, which is located right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Mary has been managing, we were just talking, for probably at least 14 years. About 14 years with money for our clients. So that's a really long partnership and a really long relationship. And the one thing that has been really unique is that you invest a lot in us in making sure that we have the things that we need for our clients. And that's where that beautiful relationship and connection really comes from. It's not just a phone call and a buy or a sell. It's really looking at the portfolios and the types of investments that our clients really value um, because they feel safe. And I think feeling safe is one of the most important things around your money. And Given that, when we started to, we were so pleased with the large cap dividend and with the growth and the returns on that portfolio, we started to think, how can we get a little bit more oomph in the portfolio? And we looked at, it's often very hard to do individual stocks for clients depending on the size of their portfolio, because you can't get enough diversification. And so the easier route is to really just use mutual funds. But A long time ago, we decided that we never want to just have mutual funds. We want to have a combination Mm -hmm. and use mutual funds for the stocks and the things that were more difficult for us Mm -hmm. to have. And of course, small cap is probably the smallest portion of our clients' portfolios. There's the small cap, the mid cap, there's straight growth, and then there's dividend growth. And so small cap, and it, it got to be like, well, how can we do this? And in talking with you and you were building this portfolio, it has just worked out beautifully. And our clients love it because everybody understands how difficult it is to start a small company and how hard it is and how many years it takes to get to a mid-cap company and to a large company. And it's something like over 50, 60% of all stocks fail in the first year. And I think a lot of times that is because of cash flow and um, or just not being prepared or market cycles. And so it's it is a more of a risky area. But now when we sit down with clients, we'll say we have this portfolio of individual equities for you that the stocks that are in there, the equities that are in there have already got a proven track record. And that's really very exciting Mm -hmm. because right there again, we've figured out a way of reducing risk. So can you talk about that Mm -hmm. cute little snappy portfolio? Sure. (laughs) Well, it really goes back to that philosophy that um, we want to have high quality portfolios. We don't think you, even in the small cap arena, you need to be bleeding edge to to do very well. In fact, we we think that um, to have companies with um, an established track record um, is better. And so just like our dividend growth strategy, we talk about a company's dividend policy being tangible evidence of management's confidence in future earnings growth. With the small cap strategy, we say that um, profitability is tangible evidence of um, the, the longevity and success of a business model. Um, and that as important... Um, traditional securities analysis techniques can be performed on profitable companies while it's much more difficult and you have to be um, speculate when, when companies are not profitable, which makes it much harder to, mm-hmm. to know which companies to pick. Yes. 
And and so it, all the companies have to be profitable um, over the trailing four quarters. Um, and um, and then we also look for companies that um, have uh, are performing in the market in terms of their price performance. And then we also finally look for companies as we do a screen to identify a research universe um, for companies that are actually um, seeing their earnings estimates stay the same or increase. We we won't look at a company whose earnings estimates are, are going mm-hmm. down. So that gives us a, a good base to build from. And they're fun. They're fun little companies, and it's fun knowing that you own some of these companies. Mm-hmm. And it really has now. It's really kept up, and the performance has been amazing. And the dividend is less than one percent. Right. It's not right. for dividends. Most this of the companies don't pay dividends, this but there are a few. A few. Yep. But this is a growth, a, mm-hmm. a growth strategy, but a more conservative. Mm-hmm. And if there are people out there who have individual equities, either large cap stocks, dividend paying, or small cap, and you're wondering, how would I blend into something like this? Typically what we do is we take the list of your stocks and we give it to Mary and her team, and they look at the stocks and they give us an indication of those stocks and what they would hold, and then we look at tax ramifications to see what can be sold and what can't be sold. Ideally, it's always great when somebody's in a retirement account because we don't have to worry about those things, but it's a way Way if you've got a question, you're not certain, we can evaluate those stocks. And the one great thing is that we have 90 days of free trading. So when a client becomes an EIG client, we have 90 days to buy and sell in the portfolio at no charge whatsoever. And sometimes setting up those portfolios can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. And this way, we can do bond portfolios, stock portfolios, um, any portfolio that we're setting up in those first 90 days is actually free trading. Mm-hmm. So that's really worked out really well. And um, I think that looking at the tax ramifications is always a really big piece mm-hmm. of it, too. Well, another just <clears throat> differentiator about that portfolio, if you look at a lot of mutual funds, they might have 100, 125, 150 yes. companies in a small cap portfolio. Um, we run more, we call them a high conviction portfolio of between 45 and 55 names so that each company really has to earn their way into the portfolio. Each one really matters. When you're thinking of the stocks in terms of the small cap, is there less diversification than in looking at large cap stocks or is there more diversification in looking at sectors? And I know mm-hmm. that you do have about a 25% turnover in there. Mm-hmm. And for our, for people listening, you know, we have a very low cost to our trades in the portfolio mm-hmm. because our goal is to keep more on the table. And so once you pass that 90 days, our costs are minuscule on those portfolios. But I know that there's a little bit more of a turnover in the small cap. <laughs> well, they, they, over the past year, it's, they've both been 20, 25%, which is really very low mm-hmm. when you look at broadly um, across the universe yes. of stock managers, especially small cap growth. That's, and mutual that's, funds. Right. Um, but in terms of diversification, um, we do not target having sector weights any place specific. We're bottom-up investors where 
Um, our sector weights are really determined through our bottom up where we're finding the most attractive mm-hmm. areas. But in today's market, that is in um, information technology, consumer discretionary, industrials, um, and uh, um, oh, healthcare <laughs> and financials. Yes. Um, so, so what we don't have a lot of is um, there's a little bit of real estate in, in those uh, 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 both portfolios. Um, we don't have much in the way of uh, utilities or telecom or consumer staples. And again, when you're looking at these portfolios by owning these high quality investments, we can have a little bit better idea and a little bit better prediction of what we anticipate will happen in a down market, mm-hmm. which is really what our, our clients are most concerned about is making sure that even though the market goes down, that what they don't do is they don't lose the stock. And so very often, you know, we'll talk to people and they'll be unhappy about an investment they bought and it blows up. That's when you really get hurt is because something goes away and it can't return. But in our portfolios, our goal is that, yes, it's going to go down. It will follow the market. But we want to be certain to the best of our ability mm-hmm. that the stocks we own will come back. Yeah. Well, you want to limit your mistakes for <laughs> yes. sure. And um, that's in, in both of these strategies. We, we're looking for consistency and durability that in one of the ways um, you can call that it's it's called earnings predictability mm-hmm. that you have a, when you're looking at these businesses and you're looking at what you project for them um, you have a higher degree of confidence in how to predict it versus companies that again um, you have to do a lot more speculation um, the range of outcomes can be m- much greater. So w- we want those things that have greater predictability. You know, I go back, and I don't remember how long it has been, when we realized that we wanted greater predictability on our portfolios. And I think it started way back when, but one of the crossroads that I remember is when um, the strong funds collapsed. And I remember thinking, I don't ever want to have all my money in one place. I don't want to have it in one mutual fund. I don't want to have it. And I want to be diversified between mutual funds, stocks, individual bonds, bond bond mutual funds, the, the whole variety, the whole gamut. And the world has gotten so big. When I became a stockbroker, which is over 30 years ago now, I remember that you could go and open up the paper and it was four columns of mutual funds and eight columns of stocks. And now it's gotten so big and it's so difficult. And very often what individuals will do is they will work with one mutual fund company because it's easier and it's more comfortable. But it's very hard for me or for anyone to dig into that portfolio because there's so much overlap as well, and they're buying and selling constantly, that it's kind of hard to stop the ball from bouncing. So when we can have things that are in our portfolios, like individual bonds, individual stocks, and mutual funds, we have a better feel for what's going on in the portfolio. Well, as as I was driving over here, Karen, uh, I saw one of your billboards, (laughs) and it was transparency equals trust. So you can really see what's in the portfolio. And like you said, 
when if we um, make a change in the portfolio, we send you a description of yes. why we sold the stack that we sold and also a description of why we bought the, the stack that was purchased. So that if you do have a client call, your your advisors are prepared. Yes. And, you know, the freedom that it gives us to really service our clients and get connected to our clients. This morning I was working with a, with a new client, and we were in that meeting for an hour and 40 minutes. I mean, just going over their you know, their whole history in terms of their financial history and what their expectations were. And having you manage that portion of the portfolio really takes the burden off of worry as to what's happening when I'm in that meeting and should I be doing something. And so the the partners and the connections that we have put together has really allowed us to build a company that's so much more than just about investing. It's a, It really is about relationships. And so often um, people will get their estate plan done and they take that sigh of relief. And I'll say, now it's just starting because the next step is is educating your children and building a connection with your children because the state plan is black and white and that's going to just happen exactly the way you said. But with your investments, that's a little bit different. And helping your children to understand the investments and all of the things that you have. Because what happens when you pass away is not only do you pass your your financial um, assets to them, but you pass your advisors to them. They inherit your advisors. They inherit whoever is managing your money, whoever is doing your taxes, who's ever doing your estate plan. And the question you want to ask yourself is, is that who you want your children to inherit? Mm-hmm. Is that who you want them to be guided by? Do you feel safe? And so having a manager and having managers that we have really allows us the opportunity to help educate our clients and to help them stay connected to their children and educate their children. So when that event occurs, not only are they passing on wealth, but they're passing on wealth of knowledge and someone who's going to really care about them. So it's it's a big process. Mm-hmm. It's not just picking stocks. And so relying on Campbell Newman to do that really does allow us to be better at what we do. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm getting the signal that I have got to take a break. So when we come back, let's talk about is it a good time to be investing? Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Mary Brown, and she's the president of Campbell Newman. And I just was told that she has five minutes to tell you whether or not you should be investing in the market right now. <laughs> Go for it, Mary. <laughs> well, we're not market timers, first of all. Yes. So, um, you know, you, you position yourself maybe differently during different periods, but but um, even though this bull market is um, about nine years old, uh, there are we still believe that there is room to go. Um, uh, the most importantly, we think that earnings growth drives stock prices, and after about two years of flat earnings, we we saw a resumption of earnings growth in 2017. 
Um, in 2016, the S&P 500 earnings um, were at 106. In 2017, um, came in at about 132. Very strong earnings mm-hmm. growth to support the market. Um, the market's rise. This year, um, right now, consensus earnings um, is for 100, almost 150, which is a 13% increase over 2017. And for 2019, we're, we're getting the benefits <laughs> of tax reform, improved business. You know, on Friday, we had the unemployment report. We which had 313,000 <clears throat> new jobs created in February in the United States. The Unemployment rate is 1.4%. It stayed the same, but more importantly, we're seeing new people enter the job market. Mm -hmm. The labor participation rate has been stubbornly low, around 62%. It went up to 63% um, last month. But look back, and um, in the late late 90s, early 2000s, it was at 68%. That's a lot of workers still mm-hmm. can go in. And we think that we are seeing um, wages go up and um, seeing that that is pulling people back in. Did I say roughly mm-hmm. 800,000 new people yes. came in the workforce last quarter, last month? Um, so in 2019 right now, um, earnings estimates for the S&P 500 um, – it's about $165. So that's another 11% increase over the 2018 Mm. estimate. And people really are concerned about where valuations are and that interest rates are going up. But so the the Fed started raising rates um, almost a year and a half ago. Right now, the Fed funds rate target is between 1.25 and 1.5. The um, 10-year Treasury is about 2.6%. And when you look at these in longer-term periods of history, yes, we went through that period of zero interest rates, and now we're going up. We're, we're, we're not even halfway there to what the 40-year <laughs> averages are. So rates are still very low. And we look at the 2019 um, est- or, um, price-earnings ratio on the estimate, we're at 168 times that's less than 10% above what the 20 year average yes. is so valuations aren't anywhere near where they were in 2007 2008 or in the late 90s so we think there's room to grow as long as the economy stays strong and we get growth and i think if you're really looking at buying high quality bonds and high quality stocks whether they're small cap or large cap dividends there's more certainty with mm-hmm. those stocks that even if we sure. do go through a period where the market sells off, you've got something that's going to come back. Right. And and that's really that's really the goal. My guest today is Mary Brown. She's the president of Campbell Newman, which is located uh, right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you would like to have her review your portfolio, take a look at the stocks you have and have us review it, please give us a call at 262-691-3200. And don't forget, we've got that wonderful 90 days worth of um, the ability to set up a portfolio without any costs associated. So as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye.
Your EIG Wealth Advisor can help you control risk, make sure your estate plan is in order, and help you understand your financial plan during retirement. But we can't control one of the largest drains on your portfolio during retirement. That's your health. For that, we'd like to share expert cooking tips and health wisdom from a local expert, Chef Michael Fecker. So stay tuned. Hello, my Feckerudis, and welcome to Food Sense where we talk about food and we make, or at least I try to make some sense of the details of the ingredients that are placed on your plate or the ingredients that you deal with day to day. One of the important things that I wanted to share with you today is when you design a dish or a menu for yourself at home, I want you to keep it as simple as possible. Why? Because from now on, I really want you to pay attention to the techniques involved in cooking and creating textures and flavors that you really think about. You can do that by searing things properly, by caramelizing ingredients properly, but you do not need to overwhelm your dish and your menu with tons of ingredients. This is a very simple recipe I'm going to share with you, my friends. It asks for a beef tenderloin, but the beauty of this recipe is it would be phenomenal with a breast of chicken. It would be magnificent with a pork chop. It would be great with a piece of salmon or cod, for example, because it gives itself to any protein that you serve it with. It is a classic sauce, and it's a brandy peppercorn sauce. I learned this sauce when I was just starting uh, culinary school, and one of the reasons they taught me this sauce right at the beginning was it was such a simple sauce. So you will see, it's going to be very easy to prepare, and the ingredients are minimal. I'm going to go through this recipe for you and with you as if we are using a beef tenderloin. Again, the main actor in this recipe is a beef tenderloin. You can change the main actor. The script doesn't have to change. The recipe doesn't have to change. You're just changing a main actor. The supporting cast can remain the same. I'm going to call it a beef tenderloin with brandy peppercorn sauce. You have a dash of cream in there as an emulsifier. An emulsifier is something that takes water and acidity, for example, or wine, or anything else, and binds them together. We use it in Caesar dressing. What do we do? We use egg yolk. That's an emulsifier. In this case, cream is going to act as a conduit of, for flavors. You have the brandy. You have the peppercorn. You have the reduction of the beef juices in the pan. They're all dating. You add the cream, the marriage happens. They sign the papers. From that moment on, everything is 50-50. You with me? So, let's go through the recipe. For the ingredients, we need four, six to eight ounce beef tenderloin. The butcher cuts these usually for you, and it's very easy to the, prepare, and you go with it. You try to get the thickest ones possible, because you're going to have a lot more cooking control over it. We're going to have about half a cup of whipping cream. We have quarter cup of chopped shallots. If you do not have shallots, at home, do not worry. The shallot police will not arrest you. You can use onions if you wish. You want something from the alien family. And if you're going to use onions, I would chop up a clove of garlic in there also. It's going to give you that shallot flavor that you're searching for. We're going to have about a cup and a half of beef stock 
or beef broth. Either one will work. Five tablespoons of cognac or brandy, brandy preferred, of course. Two tablespoons of drained green peppercorns in brine. You do not have this. You can use black peppercorns that is usually in your pantry. And some butter. I'm going to rush you through the preparation. We're going to take the beef stock and we're going to let it reduce. Meanwhile, in a large skillet, we're going to sear the steaks really hot, four minutes per side for a beautiful medium rare. You add the chopped shallots to that same pan. You bring in the beef stock, the brandy, everything goes in there and cooks together. I cannot make it any simpler than this. So now, Try this recipe, and if you don't have it, go online at ellenbecker.com, download it because I've already sent it out via email, and enjoy it. And if you have any questions, send it to me. Drool on, my friends, and I'll talk to you next week. If you would like more of Chef Becker's recipes and food tips, go to ellenbecker.com and click under the resource tab.